Rush is back. Final hour. Teddy Lehman, Tyler McComas hanging out. Jimmy Austin today up here at Nosh. Uh, full service bar. They've got uh, great beverages. They've got breakfast open to the public. So you can come up here. You don't have to be a member. Come up and have uh, breakfast or lunch anytime. Stay open until around 7 o'clock or so. Um, really, really good stuff. I've got, I don't know, 10 TVs or so in here overlooking the, the golf course, which is beautiful. Still, this late in the season, still looks beautiful out there. Weather, not necessarily golfing weather today. That's okay. Um, this is still a place you need to put down on your, uh, on your calendar. Come up and enjoy a nice lunch and, uh, and see this place and all the, all the work that they've put in up here. Really, really cool. Um, my trend with the Baylor game has been positive all week. Yep. I've felt better and better about it, which is unusual territory for I me. don't really know how to act, honestly. I know, but, hey, man, I like where our running game's at. I think our offensive line is by far playing their best football of the season. Uh, I think that's really helped Dylan Gabriel. As our offensive line has gotten better, he has definitely gotten better. You can see the trust there. He's hanging in the pocket. He's, uh, he's, he's keeping his eyes downfield, keeping his platform, delivering on, on time and on target think that continues then Baylor's going to make it difficult for you obviously but I don't know man I I think this team is trended in the right direction I'm not not here to try and convince anyone that they're worthy of a of a top 10 ranking or anything by any means I I just think that they win this football game can I use uh, Mike Leach to tell you how I feel on Friday at five o'clock well yeah that? and I'm sure. genuinely fearful <laughs> genuinely <laughs> no i i uh I, I'm, I, I picked OU to win all week long tell me um I, i'm not as confident as you i mean you're gonna pick a two-score game and I, i'm not gonna go there i think it's gonna be really close but tell me what you think about this you brought up the run game and you like where they're at right now okay cool so do i i think everyone does now that's the biggest matchup tomorrow in my opinion and i think baylor can definitely have some success against the ou running game but with the way that the OU running game is performing, I, I guess I don't see a scenario where OU rushes for 33 yards or anything tomorrow. Like, do I think Baylor can have success against OU's running game? Sure. But do I think they can have so much success that OU rushes for less than 45 yards or less than 50 yards? I don't really see that scenario taking place. OU might not rush for 300 yards tomorrow, and maybe Baylor slows them down, but they're still going to have a good enough day, I think, offensively to win. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I think our our running game has become uh, very versatile, very multiple. We've got all kinds of good things, and we, we add new wrinkles week by week. Um I hit on this yesterday. You know, we've got some really good gap scheme stuff where we've got pullers, one back power, counter, uh, even quarterback power and counter. Those things have worked really well. We've got our our typical split zone and um, I mean, you call it call it split lead or whatever. Where you've got the the H back or Braden Willis inserting on the inside instead of on the in man. Those things have been good. They've done that out of Wildcat as well. Um, you know, you've got some of your end-around stuff or your quicks that have worked good. We've introduced speed option in the last couple of weeks, which is, has been a nice uh, first down getter for us. Uh, you know, we went under center last week against Iowa State. 
with that handback play, had some success with that. So, like, as our run game expands, you know, there's less of a chance, I believe, and, and our offensive line's playing better and better, there's less of a chance that you just get stymied and don't have an answer for it, right? I, I can see that it, Baylor may have an answer for some of your split zone stuff or some of your, your counter plays, but it's going to be hard to have an answer for all of it. And sure. as we've become more versatile, I feel like we're going to be able to maneuver around and, and fa- find a way to move the ball on the ground. This has become one of our Football Friday traditions this year, and it's a good way to get the text line involved, 405-651-3439. Let's hear it from you OU fans out there. More than anything, I want to see blank tomorrow. And last week, I went with Danny Stutzman. I said, all right, come on, man. Danny, let's go. It's time. Big game at Iowa State, a game that you got to have. I need to see it, Danny. Let's start seeing that progression. Let's see you make a big play or two. And he had a really bad play on that fourth and 11, fourth and 12, whatever it was. But he comes back with that huge interception. This week, man, I want to see more than anything, Mims getting back to being a dude. Because, yes, Eric Gray running the ball is important. There's so many important elements to this offense. But I feel like when this offense is at its best and they're clicking, Mims is really good. And what does that mean for the offense when Mims is really good? That means they're hitting on the deep ball. I think we can all agree that this offense hits a different level when they're hitting on the deep ball down the field. Mims gets back to being a dude. They're hitting deep balls down the field. Good luck tomorrow uh, to, to Baylor's defense. Right. couple of things. Number one, great job by you giving it up to yourself on your I Stutzman I was hoping pick. you would catch that. Yeah, I was hoping Last you'd week. catch that. Notice how you slid that in there. Yeah, right. nice. We know, what that, we know what it means. You don't have to explain it by saying you made a nice pick last week. I just didn't want anybody to forget, okay, that I said that last week. And the other observation is you really opened the text line up for some foul play whenever you said, I want to see blank tomorrow. <laughs> All right? Oh. You, and I'm guessing they're already <laughs> flooding in. You said the word penetration twice last hour, and they haven't shut up about it. So that's <laughs> accurate. Are you telling me the text line wants to see penetration tomorrow? That's the number one thing? Is that what's coming in? I, I agree. Isaiah Coe, let's go. Yeah. All uh, right. Sean says, I want to see competent zone coverage. He has not been impressed with the yeah. zone coverage the defense has played this year. Uh, well, yeah, it's been – it's been horrendous at times, but I think it's trending in the right direction. I've seen some, uh, you know, we've, we've still got some mistakes going on. There's no doubt about it. And you're going to, I mean, that's just how it's going to be this year. Right? There's going to be mistakes out there. But, you know, more experience, the more guys are, are, are playing out there. Some of the younger guys, we're, you know, well over 600 snaps into the season now. And guys are starting to get a feel for this defense a little bit. Um, you know, people copy all kinds of stuff. So you start to see some of the same scheme uh, and route progressions over and over against you. And you, you kind of get a feel for, for how to defend those and when they may come. Guys are starting to be a little bit more talkative out there as to some problem areas on, on a given coverage or a formation or a motion. So it's getting better. It's, it's not where it needs to be, clearly. And it's it's likely not going to get there this year, other than in like snapshots. You're going to get maybe 
uh, a handful of series back-to-back where the zone coverage is, is really good and locked in. But I, I'm past the point of expecting, you know, high-level zone coverage throughout, you know, 75, 80 snaps in a football game, which, you know, it's just kind of where we are right now. But, like, if you look at the play that Stutzman made against Iowa State, that is – it's just not a play that he would have even been close to making – Three, four games uh, that's ago. That's a completion down the middle of the field for a first down. That's what that is. Without a doubt. That's a, that's a completion. Splits the defense right down the field for a 15, 20-yard pickup. And they go down and Safe. score and tie the game. Yeah. I know how that story ends. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just um, – it, it, it's, it's, it's small steps like that that you can see out there. And, you know, what he did isn't just groundbreaking. Opened up. Saw the route unfolding, you know, to the side and behind him. Snapped his hips back around. Found the quarterback. Found the ball. I mean, you know, route reading is not something that they've done before. It's an art. It's something that requires a ton of practice and experience to to get a feel for it out there on the field. And it's and it's starting to come around for these guys. I mean, he's a he's a true sophomore, but he's really just a true freshman. Whenever you consider like it's his first time in this defense and his first time being a starter text line more than anything I want to see a kick return touchdown tomorrow you know I I uh, have rediscovered my love for special teams this year with this good special teams play it's pretty awesome when you have it I I I hadn't I didn't remember it'd been too long what good what good special teams play looks like it's pretty awesome yeah it it. is yep it is and they they have they've done a really good job, you know. A lot of times, right, for the masses, good special teams play means you don't miss any field goals, and like you have a big return, right? Or you you block a punt, or you know, you have some type of splash play on special teams means you had good special teams. Well, I, there's way more to it than that, and field position is really ultimately the most important factor whenever it comes to special teams. And, you know, yes, uh, hitting a big return helps that and helps it dramatically. But, you know, if you punt five times and your punter averages 50 yards and the your opponent averages, you know, like the 12-yard line as a starting field position for the second half or something like that, like that's, that's winning special teams whenever you're playing the field position game. So, like, there's – we haven't had we had the big play last week against Iowa State. It's been a while since we've had many splash special teams play. Nebraska. But it's it's been really really consistent though. It's it's been consistent on all the units. Haven't given up many big returns. Uh, coverage units have been good, and you know, like for the most part, we haven't had like I wish uh, Mims would have caught that one that hit the ground, but you know, we ended up getting backed up a couple of times. But outside of that, like we have, it's it's been overwhelmingly positive. All right, let's get to a, a, a roll through a few here. More than anything, I want to see a dominant defense tomorrow, Greg and Lawton. Uh, more than anything, I want to see Teddy work on a Wednesday. Says someone from the nine one eight. Oh, that's good. More than anything, I want to see minimal penalties, zero turnovers. This one says establish an early lead and maintain it throughout the game. Um, if they throw it to Mims and he drops it, the first one he needs to sit. Okay, I want to see three turnovers again. I want to see OSU lose to KU. Uh, I want to see Deshaun White have another big game tomorrow. 
So we're kind of all over the board right now. Um, but minimal penalties and zero turnovers, they've um, they done a good they, they've done a really good job with that offensively. Kind of since the Kansas State game, I guess. That was that felt like your worst game offensively in terms of turnovers. I don't know if the the numbers say that or not, but you haven't had those cheap five yard penalties to put you behind the sticks. And for the most part, offensively, you you haven't turned the ball over, especially Dylan Gabriel. Right. Yep. No, that's um, that's true. We had some against Kansas, which you know. That's one of the things, and I know people ended up being upset about the defensive performance against Kansas, but really good offense, and we turned the ball over, was it three times, and yeah. none of them were like deep in Kansas territory. I think all of them were on our own side of the 50. The speed option was on the plus position. side. Uh, the play where he throws it and it hits off Barnes' helmet or whatever happened there was around the 50, if not the plus side. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, if, here's the thing, man, and this is not breaking news or deep intellectual thinking, but if we run the ball well, don't turn it over, win special teams, I think we win the game. I, and, and I know that leaves a lot of space in there because I didn't mention anything defensively uh, because, you know, I think Baylor is going to hit on some things. I think they'll probably, uh, you know, run the ball well against us. I don't think they'll turn our lights out with it, but I think they, they have a, a pretty good chance to run it well. But, I, you know, I think shaping to me is kind of like Decker's. I, I think that he's he's got uh, a, he's got good arm talent. He's fairly athletic, but, you know, he'll throw you the football especially if you can make him predictable and put him in some tough down and distance uh, positions. But, you know, I, I just I'm – not, I'm not that worried about their offense. Maybe this yeah. is famous but last the, words. But at the but. same time, I still think that there's a chance for growth to be seen tomorrow because not everyone was willing yeah. to give OU's defense credit after last week because Iowa State so bad. I don't know what the number is rushing-wise, but if you hold their run game to – is 125 a good number? I think 125 is a, a really good number, actually. You, you hold them to, you know, kind of right around that area without any explosive plays. I think everyone will have to come out of that game and say, yeah, okay, maybe I didn't buy it in the Iowa State game, but they showed defensive growth against that Baylor offense today. Yeah. And I know they've gotten a little bit healthier. Baylor has on offense. They got their tackle, starting tackle back. And, you know, I. but here's the thing. You know, their running game was not alive until the last two weeks. And the last two weeks was against uh, – their last two games, rather, were against Kansas and Texas Tech. Like, that's where the explosion has come from running the football with them. Like, they didn't run it well against Oklahoma State in a loss – um, I'm pulling up the numbers, but I don't think they ran it well against West Virginia. Well, Richard Reed, like he had, he's had 30-plus carries or 30 or 30-plus carries the past two weeks. And you look at those other games, it's like, oh, man, he had like 14, 13 carries. It looked like a normal yeah. running back. Yeah, like they ran it for 169 against West Virginia 30, oh, nice. on 35 carries, though. But it's it's not – they haven't overwhelmed anyone until recently, and it, it was against Kansas and Texas Tech. So – I, and I'm, you know, the, it's, 
it's not like defensively we should be looking down on anyone at this moment right now, but I guess I'm I'm just not there yet to say that Baylor's offense is anything like it was last year whenever it comes to running the football. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Stay tuned. Mim saying, yeah, I appreciate Jeff Levy saying on Monday that they're still going to target me as much as possible within the offense. Mim's looking to bounce back after that rough game in Ames last weekend. But let's talk about some of these other Big 12 games going on tomorrow. And here's a surprising stat. So surprising that I had to go back and double-check it myself, and it turns out it is true. Somehow, Texas has won five consecutive games over Kansas State. I did not realize they have a five-game winning streak over KSU, but mm. they do heading into Manhattan tomorrow. And that I, it doesn't feel like that. Feels like Kansas State always beats them. It's wild. Think about this: they've got a five-game winning streak over Kansas State, who's been. I mean, they haven't always been great over the last however many years. Kansas State hasn't, but like that still is a shocking. If you would have told me that Texas has lost five straight to Kansas State, I would believe it totally. Yeah. Which, uh, here's the thing. If it weren't for that five-game winning streak over Kansas State, think of how bad the last five years would have oh, been. It's already Texas. been terrible. Maybe yeah, worse. You take away yeah. those five games. It's Ugh. crazy. I know OU would kill for a five-game winning streak over Kansas State. That'd be no nice. Doubt. I'd kill for a one-game winning streak <laughs> over Kansas State. That's <laughs> true. Uh, it's true. I, I could be totally off about this. The line is strange, but the line is the only reason why. Uh, really, the line's the only reason why so many people have been picking Texas this week, which is interesting because I just I don't trust Quinn Ewers to come back and play like a star tomorrow. I think he's still gonna yeah. have. I think he's still gonna have moments where he really struggles against the Kansas State defense. It's pretty good. Kansas State has, I forget however, however many interceptions they have this year. Is it like 11 maybe? All 11 of their interceptions have come at home this season. So they're yeah. definitely a defense that's gotten after it inside well, the bill. Here, here's the thing about Texas and about the Ewers kid. You know, whenever you're a freshman and, you know, you've been told how great you are forever in high school and, you know, you've you've been given NIL stuff. Like the world is yours, right? You can do no wrong until you do do wrong, which he did against Oklahoma State. You know, he's had moments where he wasn't good, but that entire game was 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 something to behold. And when you go out there and you complete thirty some percent of your passes, 
in in a loss, throw three interceptions. I it's the first real time that doubt has probably crept into the head of his. Oh yeah. And you know, you you lose a game that they really should have won. All right, they made the too many critical mistakes down the stretch. But I there's people around Austin now saying yeah, you think they play Hudson Card? You think they they you think they start Hudson Card? Do you think like what what type of leash are they going to give Quinn Ewers after that performance against Oklahoma State? Like like that stuff he's going to hear, and he's young, and you throw a couple of incompletions or an interception early in that game, it could really turn south on you in a hurry. So like that's something you got to look at. I I just. I don't see it right now I don't either, man. with Texas. Now, here's the thing. They will have a good game plan. I I firmly believe that Sarkeesian is uh, a really, really good offensive play caller, um, offensive play designer. I think he does a, a really good job. I like what they do offensively a lot. But, you know, that doesn't mean that you win all the other areas. Penalties turnovers, special teams. But even he gets away from turning and handing to five way too often. That's true. You know? like Yeah, everything you say about him is right. Don't overthink it. He is one of those play callers, man, that forgets that he has the best running back in the Big 12. And and that'd be my game plan tomorrow, dude. It's the guru gene, man. It is. But if I'm him, tomorrow I'm saying, I don't – we win, we lose, whatever – I am making sure Bijan Robinson gets enough touches. Whatever happens, happens. But I'm not walking out a Bill Snyder Family Stadium saying, "Uh-oh, I, I should have handed it off to Bijan Robinson a little bit more." Two and a half to one. They need to run the football two and a half times to every pass. That's what they need to do. Yeah, especially when Ewers is overthrowing it by 15 yards. I, I, I'm going to look up the numbers here for us last week against ISU we I think we doubled up uh rushing attempts to passing attempts against Iowa State um and you're going on the road against KSU with a freshman quarterback run the ball don't overthink it you got the best running back some people think in the country run 27 passes to 47 uh, rushes last week. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good. Almost doubled it up. Yeah, I'll take that. That's that's what Texas needs to be thinking whenever they're going on the road to play. Texas uh, may not even Manhattan. need to throw the ball tomorrow. Just hand it off to Roshan Johnson there you and go. John Robinson. That, that might be my game plan. Uh, in Lawrence tomorrow, man, I it, it's scary feeling this confident about KU to win a conference game, even though they're better. But I feel really good about KU winning a yeah. conference game tomorrow. Yeah, beat a team who uh, three minutes ago was ranked in the top ten in the country, right? Seriously. With State. Yeah. But, which I, I don't know, is it is it too big of a reaction to pick Oklahoma State to lose to Kansas after that? No. That game against? Absolutely not. No? No. I, no, I, I mean, too big of a reaction? KU's, a, KU's favored to win the football game. It, it's definitely not too big of a reaction. And yeah. I think – that reaction mostly rests on you don't think that Spencer Sanders is going to play tomorrow. And even if he does, right. he's going to be severely beat up and going to be limited. Now, he, he's about as tough as they come in terms of quarterbacks in this conference, but I don't know. The scuttle is that he's, he's pretty beat up this week. 
and KU okay, might be getting so, Jalen Daniels back. That's enough for me to think that KU's going to win this game at home. Well, is it Gundy, backup QB? Is he their number two? Legit? Yeah. Would he be the starter if yeah. Sanders is out? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he's your starting quarterback. Now, you know, all, all of this sets up, if all of that is true, it sets up for Kansas to win this game, no doubts. But it's still Kansas, right? And they're still learning and figuring out how to win. I, as much as I like Kansas in this game, I can definitely see one of those scenarios where KU makes a ton of mistakes. Oklahoma State's in this game late in the fourth quarter, and they figure out a way to win because all the pressure's on KU now, trying to get to that sixth win, and they just make some uncharacteristic mistakes. That's, that situation exists tomorrow for KU. Do you really think all the pressure's on Kansas? Um, I, even though, like, I get it. It's been forever since they've been in a bowl game, and they're trying to get over that hump. But if you're anyone else in the Big 12, regardless of what their record is, like, it's still Kansas. And losing to Kansas is something that might – if um, – if they lose Leipold and he goes and takes the Wisconsin job or the Nebraska job or something like that, Kansas is most likely going right back in the tank. And looking back, no one's going to remember the great season that they had this year. They're just going to remember that you lost to Kansas on, on you know. <laughs> so it, I, I still think that the pressure is on Oklahoma State. They were the one who was – who was uh, you know picked to, to bounce back, have yeah. a chance to win the conference this year? And yeah, maybe the only so. thing is, and I don't know if pressure exists, you know, determining what a betting line is. But you know, KU's beat teams in this conference before; they've done it this year a couple of times, uh, or at least one time, I guess. But rarely, if ever, is KU a a favorite in a in a Big Twelve game, especially against a top twenty football team. They're favored to win tomorrow. Who who were they favored to win to beat in the Big Twelve this year? Uh, probably Iowa State. Were they? No, I think they were home dog against Iowa State, right? Yeah, Iowa State was a three and a half point favorite in that game. I, I mean, that may be something to see when the last time they were a conference favorite was. It's got to be a really, they were, really okay. Long they won time. two conference games because they beat West Virginia earlier. They were a fourteen point dog against uh, West Virginia. But yeah, the last mm-hmm. time they've been a favorite in a Big Twelve game, I have no idea. Mangino was probably on the sideline last time that happened. Yeah. It has to have been a, a really long time. So that, that is wild. Um, that, and here's the thing, man. It's, it's got to be weird for, for a team with guys that have played in Lawrence previously and you've gone up there and you've seen it empty stadium and no atmosphere and it's quiet. And it can be hard to play in those, in, in those type of situations. I get that. But it might be a, a little bit of a shock to the system whenever you pull up and that place is absolutely packed. You got a wild atmosphere there. It's like, where in the world are we right now? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We've got a couple segments left closing out. Uh, a great week here at Jimmy Austin, hanging out the nosh inside. They got great food, great drinks. Come see us up here, at Jimmy Austin.
There's the always exciting Dave Veranda talking about OU quarterback Dylan Gabriel. And most great defensive coordinators or defensive play callers are a bit psycho. Uh, Kirby Smart. We saw Mike Stoops and Brent Venables get loud back in the day. Nick Saban. I, I guess you can be psychotic and still really, really quiet. But Dave Veranda is not like the other bright defensive minds in this game with the way that he speaks. Kind of yeah, he's a little a bit. bit different. Little bit different, which is um, is okay. He's you know everyone that I've ever talked to that's worked with him uh, says he is amazing, and it's hard to see that. It's hard to to see Aranda. I when you see the results and the way that his team plays on the field, you get it. But whenever you like, if you were to just watch him, it would be it would be hard to come away thinking now that guy. He's got it, you know. Like, you watch Matt Rule work the field whenever he shows up out there, pregame warm-ups, and uh, he talks to, like, no less than 500 people before the game starts. You can say, I, I get it. I, I can see how people are drawn to, to Matt Rule. I, I, I know why he's, he's up for these jobs, and, and the players love him, and the coaches love to coach with him. Uh, you just don't get that from Miranda. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, no one gives a rip about that, honestly. You could be the greatest guy ever. If your team sucks, you're going to be out of a job quickly. His teams are hard-nosed. They play tough as hell, physical. They run the ball. They've got great schemes offensively and defensively. And, you know, that's that's why he's thought of the way he is, you know, because puts out a really good product. Time to fill up That's that. what matters. Time to fill up that stat sheet. Brought to you by Dorsey uh, Jones Buick GMC. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno. I forty and exit one twenty five. Just twenty minutes away from OKC. A little drive to big savings. Let's do both um, Eric Gray and Marvin Mims. We'll start with Eric Gray. Uh, you go first. What does his stat line look like tomorrow? Because our, our, our arguments used to be who the leading rusher is going to be. We don't have that argument anymore. It's now just how well does Eric Gray play. Mm. Right. Um, let's see. I think hmm. – do you know um, whenever Baylor played West Virginia and lost, they gave up – 22 carries and 163 yards rushing and two touchdowns I mean, to I did, a West Virginia I, I did uh, watch that game that night. West Virginia just marching up and down the field like crazy. Yeah. I I know that uh, I know that Baylor's got a good defense and really good right up the middle, but I think Eric Gray can have a, a really good day. I'm going to say hmm, what's his his typical carry number? I had it um, at 19 carries today. I don't know if that's his typical carry number, but just for reference, that's kind of where I'm uh, at with him. During the Kansas yeah, – 20. Yeah, yeah. He's at 20 the last two weeks. So, yeah. I will say he's got – because he's kind of – with Barnes out, and I don't know Barnes' uh, status. If Barnes is back up, number will probably be lower. But I'll say he has 18 for 135. Woo! 18 for 135. I have 19 for 137. 
So we're right there. At oh, 19 wow. for 137 and two touchdowns. And I, yeah. I, and, I, and I definitely think he can get to that two-touchdown number because I kind of expect once they get inside the five to say, I, let's, let's go to the Wildcat. Let's go to the Wildcat because they've had success with that, especially when he's back there. I think that's going to be a thing once they get in, inside yeah. the red zone. Yep. That – that equals out to seven and a half yards a carry, which his average right now for the season, 7.4 yards per attempt, which is uh, really, 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 really good. So, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think he can have a really nice day. And I think he can do some things out of the backfield uh, as well in the receiving game. Hasn't been that, – that's kind of slowed down, it feels like, in, in recent games which is fine, got no problem with that. But um, I guess, no, I guess he's had two catches the last couple of games. But you go out to Kansas State, he caught a ton of balls uh, as we were running those checkdowns late. But, yeah, I think uh, I think he has a big day on the ground, 130-plus yeah, yards. I'll, I'll take either one of those, man. Now, I have two touchdowns attached to mine. I don't know if you have any scores or not. But I, I would take both of those, and I think if you know he has either one of those stat lines, I think OU wins the game tomorrow, which is most important. Um, we'll do one more, and we'll go to Marvin Mims. Does he have a bounce-back game? What does his stat line look like tomorrow against Baylor? Um, let's see. I think he has somewhat of a bounce-back game. You know, he was, on a, he was on a nice little roll there for a little bit early in the season, and then... Obviously, TCU, Texas kind of took the wind out of the cells. Then he was right back over 100 yards against KU. I think he's going to go for – I think he goes five for 93 and two touchdowns. Golly, I had six for 92 and one touchdown. So we've been really close on both of these. And this is a slight factor for me. I don't know if it was a factor for you at all in in coming up with the numbers, but in in a game like last week where Mims was not great, I think something important happened. Well, Jalil Farouk kind of took his place, right? Mims wasn't having a great game. Farouk um, ended up leading the team in in catches and yards. I mean, he was the the best wide receiver that you've had. I I think you have a legit one-two at wide receiver now. I think Farouk has kind of demanded him, you know, put himself in a position to be the number two receiver. That could mean more targets for him. I still think Mims is going to get targeted a bunch, but maybe not as much seeing as how Farouk has emerged here the second half of the season. Which, here's the thing, and this is why I think – I have to keep reemphasizing this because everyone still believes we're the worst team in the history of the sport, which, you know, fine. But you say that Farouk is the number two, and I agree. Mims is the number one. So our number one and number two receivers combined for two catches and minus one yards against Texas. <laughs> yes. Okay? Oh, yeah. So, I. I understand that result. I understand how frustrating it was and how embarrassed everyone is by it. But I, that is not representative of what this team is without our quarterback. So I stop thinking that that's, that's what is going to be out there on the field. Um, I think Farouk continues to, to find opportunities. He's had four catches in each of the last two games. 
that receiving touchdown against Iowa State was, gosh, is that – he's only had two touchdowns this season receiving. Um, Farouk, I think yeah, he, did, he had that one in the Nebraska game early on. Because yeah. remember, it took him a while to get going this yep. year. Yep. I think, um, I think Farouk goes for four catches – Four catches, uh, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I'll take both of those. That's a really good day for your one and two wide receivers when you combine it with Eric Gray's afternoon of 130-plus. Combined. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, you ready to hit a timeout here? Let's you want to hit a couple no, text yeah, messages? Yeah, we, we, we can hit text coming up next. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out. Nosh up here at Jimmy Austin. Remember – Open for breakfast and lunch every day. Do not have to be a member to come up here and enjoy the really good food that they've got, plus the beautiful views. Course looks amazing. We'll be back.